Orbvest is a global real estate company and it allows investors from around the world to invest directly into U.S. commercial properties, specifically medical real estate. Why medical real estate and why the U.S.? Well, we're about to find out. Medical real estate, it turns out, is about as rock solid as you can get in commercial properties. We're joined by Justin Clark, Chief Operating Officer at Orbvest. Justin, we've spoken before about Orbvest and a rather unique offering in medical real estate in the United States. Thanks for joining us again. When we spoke previously, Orbvest was generating returns of 2% a quarter from medical real estate in the U.S., and you had properties in Texas, Georgia, and New Jersey. Is that still the case, or have you expanded from there? Yeah, thanks for having me on again, Karen. I think uh, we, we just worked out before the call that the last time we spoke was in 2019. So a lot's happened since then, certainly. But as far as 2021 was concerned, that was big. You know, we, we acquired uh, 10 new buildings, which is uh, you know, a record by quite a long way. Apart from Texas, Georgia, and New Jersey that you mentioned, we got some good traction in Florida that we've been trying to get into for a few years. Um, we acquired a building in Tampa and Jacksonville, for anyone who knows uh, Florida, two really, really hot spots of, of Florida that are growing phenomenally. I think uh, you know that's a great story. Certainly Texas and Florida and Arizona are gaining a lot of inhabitants as people move in there because of the, uh, I'd say, well-run states, low taxes and all the rest. Um, yeah, and then talking about Arizona, we also acquired two buildings in Arizona. So we, in fact, we've got a third one lined up for this year that I hope we can talk about in a week or so's time. And then uh, we had one in, in New Jersey, as you mentioned, and we managed to acquire the one right next door. So those are the Princeton buildings, which if we put them together, consolidate into a really nice little portfolio of medical office buildings. And uh, right at the end of the year, we, we got two buildings in Cincinnati, uh, Ohio. And Ohio wouldn't be a state that we'd normally go for, but it's a low-growth state. But Cincinnati is actually fascinating. It's one of the, the cities in the, can I say, the sort of middle region of the U.S. that's uh, actually going very, very well because of, I guess, good fundamentals. So all in all, we've acquired uh, now, I think it's $400 million of, of medical offices over the last eight years, which is actually a huge number. I mean, if you think about it in rands, it's about 6 billion rand. And then we've sold some of it. We've exited at the end of the five-year periods. So not all of it is still under management. But overall, I guess uh, some of our lower performing buildings, our blended returns to answer your, your question are now sitting at about 7.3% cash on cash over the last two years. So still pretty close to uh, to 2% per quarter on average. With US inflation now at 7.5%, and astonishingly, that's quite a bit higher than in South Africa. Who thought we'd see that day? But what does that mean for medical real estate in the United States? Wow, it's absolutely crazy, uh, Kieran. Uh, you know, if you think about it, uh, one year ago it was about 1.4% uh, inflation in the US, and in 12 months it's ballooned by 434%. It's insane. But we all know why. CPI is even more scary. And uh, I think, you know, the crazy thing is that used cars uh, rocketed 40.5% in price over the last 12 months. I mean, who said that investing in a vehicle would beat your FANGA you know, equity portfolio? But uh, but that's how it is. Absolutely crazy. We know what these reasons are, and I suppose we're not really here to talk about that today. But uh, I think that when the supply chain is normalised, we you know the, the general consensus is that these these inflation numbers will kind of uh, recover. And GDP growth also in the US has been helping. Um, I guess that's this around about four point six percent expected for for the year twenty twenty two. So, you know, the economy is still super, super strong. And um, 
yeah, I'm a bull on the US. So um, I guess interest rates will follow. There's no doubt about that to answer your question about how this affects commercial buildings. The Fed will try and slow inflation. It has to increase interest rates, and, and they already have been pulling back on the quantitative easing. So I suppose before we get into commercial real estate, you have to look at what's happening to the equities markets. And um, this is getting into your space. You know, it's been a bumpy ride over the last few months, but what we are seeing is a lot of cash is moving out of equities looking for fixed returns, bonds, real estate, etc. We've seen um, in specific niches of commercial real estate, demand has absolutely rocketed. A gauge of this is the compressing of, of capitalization rates of buildings across many sectors, especially, and the, the two hottest ones that we pick up is industrials and, uh, and medical office buildings. We've seen medical office buildings changing hands below, well below 5% cap rate. I mean, that's effectively your investor's happy to take a 5% return on his investment over the course of his investment. So, you know, that's, uh, yeah, that's low. And when we got into this business, uh, sort of eight years ago, we were looking at seven and 8% cap rates. Uh, that, that's a, a lot of inflation that's happened on these, uh, medical office buildings. Inflation is actually good for commercial real estate because if you think about it, cost push makes it impossible for any new construction of competing space to come close to providing anything new at a competitive lease terms. So also we're able to renew leases at a CPR plus rental rate, you know, uh, that, that increase the income of the building, which is uh, one of the major kind of levers that increases the value of the building. So, you know, Inflation not necessarily bad. I think uh, obviously you've got to be concerned about the expenses, but just remember a lot of our leases are double or triple net for those that don't understand what that means. Uh, effectively, many of these expenses or, or costs are passed through to the tenant. So our biggest variable cost is debt. And of course that's what's on everyone's mind, but we always fix our debt on our buildings. And to give you an idea of what that, sort of rate is fixed. You pay more, obviously, than you pay for, for variable. But on our new Boynton Beach building that we've acquired in Florida, we fixed the 3.5%. So the arbitrage between 3.5% and 5, you know, is, is a factor. And, um, yeah, you know, if we use the, if we contain our costs and we ramp up our revenue, remember that commercial buildings are valued based on a, a factor of NOI and cap. So when we sell the building at the end of the investment period, we really are expecting stronger capital growth than we model in our projections. So I guess translating to higher returns for investors than we're actually projecting ourselves. All right. So you, you're taking a fairly conservative view on your expected returns, but give us a sense of what the last year was like for Orbvest. Are you still able to find buildings that meet your investment criteria? And what are those criteria? No, it's, it's definitely got tougher. As I mentioned, you know, the really good quality buildings that are out on the market are, are trading at, at ridiculous prices. So it's, you know, it's becoming more difficult to find quality medical office buildings that meet our investment criteria. So I guess on the other side of it, um, you know, eight years in the game, we're building a really solid reputation and especially after our, you know, our, our quite aggressive year last year. So we are now getting offered buildings that are off market and the difference between off market where you can sit down with a seller and negotiate a price based on what makes sense to something that's out on the market being blasted all over America by the brokers makes a significant difference. So that's certainly working for us and it's helping us to acquire buildings in the kind of 6% cap rate, which is means that you've already got some upside when you acquire the building. As our chairman says, you make money in commercial property when you buy the building. 
So, uh, yeah, returns on new acquisitions have dropped already. And you'll see that if you look at our, our sort of most popular product, which is our diversified holdings product, um, we're offering a, a cash on cash of seven. Conservative, yes, but, you know, we'd, we'd prefer to be conservative and make sure that we can deliver on that. And then ultimately, our RR, I think we used to say 11 to 17, we've dropped that to, to from, from 10 to 17 because, uh, you know, we think that that's a little bit more realistic considering where we're at. Okay, medical real estate is generally perceived as a defensive investment in the sense that people will always require doctors and medical treatment. Is this reflected in your tenant profile? In other words, high occupancies, low tenant turnover? Yes, this is a very interesting space that we're getting into now. And, and I think this is, a, this is maybe the subject of another interview. But um, generally, doctors are very sticky tenants. They don't move. Think about your doctor, your dentist. You know, generally, you've been seeing the guy in the same building for, uh, for most of your life. And uh, especially when they are located near a large hospital. So hospitals make them sticky because of all the services that aren't offered within the hospital that they need to service. By way of medical services are delivered is also changing incredibly fast and plays 100% into our model. Remember that uh, inpatients, that's the patients that are going into hospital for a procedure, are dropping off globally, including in South Africa, and outpatients is rocketing. And the reason for this is obviously change in technology. You can go for a a significant operation by having some some uh, uh, microscopic surgery um, and uh, and even to be quite honest, some major stuff. You know, in the, in the states, uh, you know, you'll do a hip hop and you'll go. You won't go into a hospital. You'll go into your medical office building and have your hip hop. So very interesting. But um, yeah, I think uh, we also look for a very specific type of tenant. We like multi-tenanted buildings that have a synergistic relationship between all the tenants. We really look for heavy medical that can't be disrupted by any changes. And, and specifically, these are surgery centers where there's a proper theaters put in imaging. Uh, you know, that imaging requires a Faraday cage, thick concrete walls, lead protection, etc. And of course, oncology where, you know, the, the big oncology machines have a radioactive nature. Buildings literally have to be sitting in a bunker. So, you know, you can understand. And, and the, the cost of the equipment here in Armenia, you know, some of these machines cost more than the actual value of the building. So, you know, for them, the lease is the, is the, is the smaller part of their problem. If they're going to put one of these machines, if they're going to put one of these machines in, then they are absolutely uh, looking for a, a 10 or, or 10 plus year lease, 10 with some options to renew. We also limit exposure to primary healthcare. That's the sort of general family physicians, unless they, of course, they're part of a larger group because this is, you know, this is one of the, uh, the changes that's happening in this space. Okay, so the focus of your investment is the United States, as we've been talking about it, but you originated out of South Africa as a company, and you have a large South African investor base. What sort of a profile of investor are you looking to attract, and are they mostly South African? Yeah, very interesting. When we started up, it was really uh, Henny looking after a few of his high net worth individual friends, and, uh, and then ultimately, we opened that up to uh, other investors. And South Africa is still our largest investor base. And I think this is probably driven by our own political and economic challenges. But it is changing, and it was changing fast. Then COVID came and slowed that down a bit. But we expect that this year, equity from the USA may well overtake SA as the largest source. Third, interestingly, the country that's come from nowhere is Israel. Israel's awash with, with cash, and uh, um, you know, Israelis are looking to invest in the US. So they, you know, they, uh, they look for these type of investments. But I think uh, the big news, uh, Kieran, and I think we spoke a little bit about this offline. Uh, you know, we're working to open up to the uh, financial advisory space. 
these are you know, financial advisors sit on all their clients' money, and um, there's huge interest from them to place clients' money in this type of alternative asset. And they also have a need to manage their clients' funds on a proprietary platforms, you know, the platforms that they would run uh, and manage their own clients on. And that is proving to be the challenge. Traditionally, investors come directly to us, and you know, I guess they're mostly sort of middle-aged, more conservative, uh, looking for security towards the middle and end of their lives, uh, looking for income-based investments. And of course, the USD uh, income is a major draw card, of course. But yeah, I think uh, still majority South African to answer your question. Final question, Justin. What can we expect from Orbvest in 2022? Are there any new products or projects in the pipeline we should know about? Well, as I mentioned earlier, you know, our diversified portfolio is uh, you know, moving a little bit towards a fund. But at the same time, you know what's in the fund. In other words, it's a limited group of buildings that are in there. And, uh, and this has proved to be very good. I mean, the, the, uh, the product that we have at the moment is ODH5, and it's the fifth version of it. So, you know, that is all oversubscribed. The other one we launched this year is a triple net portfolio, uh, or actually last year. And um, this, I think, is really going to go well. Remember triple net, as I explained early on, are these buildings with, it's a single building. And, you know, the best example I would use is the, think of a CVS. Uh, CVS is a huge multinational credit tenant. Uh, they have thousands of these little CVS outlets all over the place. You get a CVS lease. So, you know, you're absolutely certain that, that your lease is going to get paid. You have a, a WALT or weighted average lease term period of, of 10 years. That's our criteria for triple net. So basically you're buying an income stream for 10 years. We'll hold it for five and then we'll, and then we'll sell it off. And because the word triple net means that you don't actually have to worry about the maintenance and the expenses of the operating of the building. And uh, that is, absorbed by the tenant so you do nothing you buy the building and you collect the rent and uh and we just collect and we distribute to to uh to the uh to the shareholders so so those two are products we have already um but you know we've got some bigger things in the pipeline and um i think again maybe a conversation for a future call but as a teaser we've got a lot of money sitting in uh, our trading accounts in other words people that have moved the money but they haven't decided on a building and the idea is to offer a 30-day fixed income note, which is coming soon. And then uh, a little bit further out, because of the legalities involved, is uh, we are working on a fund out of Ireland. So that's also on the cards. Okay, exciting times ahead. We're going to leave it there. That was Justin Clark, Chief Operating Officer at Orbvest. And for MoneyWeb listeners, we will be hosting a webinar with Orbvest. We'll post details of that webinar on moneyweb.coza shortly.